Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So I was in the shower. I was cleaning my ass and making all the shirts all sparkly. Thank you, clean. I'm not the funny one. I'm the pretty one. Cock shots. <laughs> I just checked myself out. music, wine, and then loop up. The glory hole is like a, a like dick theater of a magic your Which means your pants had better come off. Mama needs playtime. Uh, we're not sluts. We just love love. Hello, folks. Yes, thank you for joining us here another week of By the By. I'm Angela. I'm drinking. I'm Bradford. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) You should have anticipated that one. (laughs) Of course. Yes, yes. Welcome back. You've come back to another hour or so of us rambling on and on about things that are important to us, might be of interest to you, Mm -hmm. and if we're very lucky, important to you. Yes. Hopefully. Yeah. We hope so. Yeah. And if not, why are you listening to us? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. So what's, what's going on? Anything new and exciting? Uh, I say we've had quite a bit going on that we'll cover in future podcasts. Future podcasts. But coming up now in less than a month, we leave for Passion in Paradise. Holy smokes, that's right. The Swingers Takeover here in Australia. That's right. And then, <clears throat> excuse me, we'll no. be... I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> wow. And then we'll be home for about a week, week and a half, and we head out to Cancun to go to Desire for this Life on the Swing Set takeover. So, so excited for that. That's right. And as soon as we're done with that, we go to the We Got a Thing and Swinging Down Under takeover. Because, you know, look, we we like fucking. (laughs) We thought that we thought that our vacation should be done in a place where there's a lot of fucking. Mm-hmm. Which is not our bedroom, though there is a lot of fucking in our bedroom. We just needed a change of venue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so if you want to come and join us either week, that's right. It's going to be amazing. I'm so excited. Yeah, Viva la Mexico. Yeah, especially like life on the swing set. I was reviewing the calendar of stuff that they have going on because they have different things going on during the day, different themes at night, and different parties, and it's just. It's going to be fun. It's going to be epic. Yeah. yeah. I'm so excited. Yeah. Uh, we get to do our first live podcast mm-hmm. there. So I think that's on Thursday of the week. So yes. um, pretty excited for that. Have no idea what to expect. We have no idea what we're going to say. I mean, it's going to be basically like our normal podcast where we just get on <laughs> and ramble about what's been going on uh-huh. over the last few weeks. Um, but it's going to be with a bunch of people that we will have potentially uh, played with. Yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm so excited. So Yeah. Yay! That's coming up. That's Oh, my gosh. Uh, let's see. We've got next, this coming Friday, mm-hmm. we've got a uh, sex ed class at Our Secret Spot. We are doing uh, the science, art of, and science of flirting. Mm-hmm. And a bit on uh, icebreakers. Yes. How doth one break thine ice? 
Hopefully not with an ice pick. How about an ice dick? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, show me your popsicle. <laughs> Why is Lady Marmalade now going in my head? <laughs> hey, sister, so sister. I don't know. I'm not sure. My okay. brain is a little broken this this yeah. evening. Um <laughs> Yeah, it's, my, it's because my stomach is full. We just had a nice big homemade pizza, and I'm mm-hmm. like all excited and like, woo! Yeah. And give me an hour, and I'm going to be in that like carb and fat logie. Food coma. Yeah. yeah. I'll get logie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and this past Sunday, September 23rd, was Bi Visibility Day. That's right. So hopefully you all got out and celebrated, wore your purple, I don't know, whatever you do to celebrate. Got a tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> shot fireworks look do something celebrate yeah but really does it need to be one day no, no. every day is by by celebration day visibility by visibility yeah. but celebration as well yeah yeah so that leads us into our topic for tonight yes today depending on when you're listening to this this morning Tomorrow, i don't know yesterday <laughs> I mean, because people could segment it. That's true. That's true. <laughs> and right now, somebody's already been like, yep, I'm done with this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so today we're going to talk about bisexuality in a whole lot of arenas. Uh, talk about bi-invisibility, bi-erasure, the effect of, um, I'm going to say social acceptance, but ultimately more social, the lack of acceptance, and the effects on individuals. Um, it's going to just be a whole suite of topics that uh, we had covered previously in um, a presentation we did for a festival earlier this year. And we had a listener who was super kind and sent us so many papers, a lot of scientific papers, research types of things. It was like 12 to 14 scientific papers in that email. It was a lot, yeah. So she sent us a lot of data to kind of really help us to beef it up and pad it and, and back up some of what we already had, add to it. And it's just so, so much information. But I think it's really important information that people need to hear because sometimes you kind of forget how things like this really, really, truly affect individuals and how it affects us as a society. Right. Real people. Real people. Yeah. Um, So we have in front of us, each of us, 13 pages of notes (laughs) that have been collated down from these however many papers. It was some some crazy amount. Mm -hmm. I mean, again, thank you very much for sending. uh, Yeah, it was kind of awesome. Sending those. Um, It did take us quite a while to cull through the information. Mm -hmm. And I will admit that Angela culled through the vast majority of the information uh, because I'm not smart enough to read papers like this. Now, if you do want uh, to actually read the papers or if you want more information on them, on exactly where all this data came from, by all means, let us know. Uh, We can put it up. We can send it to you. And definitely, you know, it's, it's good to go to the source and read it for yourself because a lot of this is quite distilled down just to make it, a manageable amount of information. Yes. Bites. Little yes. bites. Not yes. big, meaty <laughs> chunks. Yeah. Show us your big, meaty... Anyway. Um, <laughs> so, I guess, first we should start about talking just about bisexuality and how it is a bit of a minority within an already existent minority. Mm-hmm. Um, so, when you look at the LGBT community, a lot of people don't realize that uh, the the bisexual side of that represents 52% of the LGBT. So. Which is huge. That's huge. Because that's not, it's certainly not the group you hear the most about. No. So it's really kind of fascinating that it's 
that big of a number percentage-wise within. Within within a community yeah. that's already marginalized, yes. Yeah. Uh, and, and there is a lot of uh, marginalization within the community of uh, of bisexuality. And it's really interesting. Uh, you know, it's something already I'm going off topic, but it's something I, I've thought about for a long time. And I think what it is is any group that is marginalized wants to marginalize someone because they want to be normalized. And we marginalize other groups thus normalizing ourselves. To then lift yourself up and feel more normal. More normal mm-hmm. and more like everybody else. Uh, and it, it's something that I think we as a com- as a community and we as a society and we as people need to be better about and not try not to do that. Mm-hmm. The, the way we all become equal is by treating each other equal. It's not by pushing someone else down mm-hmm. and, and either excluding them or, or erasing them from, from minimizing. Yeah, minimizing yeah. them. Yeah. And that's it's something that we see quite often in in the well in the swinger community and in, in the poly community and the kink community. It's this it's really interesting how people are so quick to to snap judge and then push beneath. Push, yeah, push others away. You're right. Wow, glad we got that recorded. No, it's it's <laughs> <laughs> it really is just kind of fascinating because yeah, I never thought about it in that way before and that if you're marginalizing someone else that then you feel better about your status your group whatever it may be um but it completely makes sense because everyone wants to be normal yeah everybody wants to be part of a tribe and everyone wants to be normal whatever that is because there is no real exactly there is no true normal we are all normal look in the mirror that's a normal person so yeah yeah um so you know what happens, and we've already touched on it just a bit. Is by invisibility and by erasure. So I guess the first thing we should do is probably define those two words for mm-hmm. people who may have never heard of it. Um, and typically, I'll I'll do by which one? Do you want to do one and me do one? Yeah, sure. Yeah. We could do that. Uh, so when I when I think uh, by erasure, I think of the pop stars like. Uh, I think it was Lady Gaga who recently came out as bisexual, and the uh, the the news media uh, immediately said that she was lesbian, mm-hmm. even though she had had a male partners in the past. Uh, or if you know people see us on the street, a male female couple holding hands, they assume that we're both straight or heterosexual, and so it's that even if you tell people that you're by, they then go, oh, cool, but you're you're straight now, and that's that erasing of of the the legitimacy of your sexuality. Yeah. So you know, there's other ways that that bi erasure can happen. It's it is that sort of straight washing couples or gay washing couples that are uh, similar or the same gender or opposite genders. But yeah, that's it's something that is. Just, yeah, grr. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, and, and by invisibility, it's very much along the same lines as, as the bi erasure, is that it's basically ignoring, removing, and re-explaining the evidence of bisexuality. And so it's, it's people saying that it's just a phase, or you're just experimenting, because eventually you'll figure out that you're either gay, lesbian, or heterosexual. Uh, and we hear that. Yeah, I've heard that before. Quite often, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, 
or saying again back to the erasure that that bisexuality isn't a real mm -hmm. sexuality that you just haven't made a decision yet yeah yeah and also and and like you said you know a lot of people will see you with your current partner and depending on the gender of that person determine that you're heterosexual or homosexual and not even considering that there could be another option or that depending on previous partners or others within the relationship that they, you know, there, you could be something other than heterosexual or homosexual. And then you've got communities like the LGBT communities that are in organizations that are trying to, to provide help to these, uh, to these folks, but they don't have bi specific programs and resources. They get the money. And even though the bisexual groups are, we do make up more than 50% of the groups. We aren't, supported so we don't get those bi-specific programs and resources that that people really need yeah yeah so why is it so important then to minimize this bi-invisibility and bi-erasure and i think we've said it so many times on the podcast before but it is that everyone wants to feel included and part of a tribe we everyone wants to feel like they have a group that they belong to and when you when you do promote the the bi invisibility in within those within society and within larger communities, it does make people feel marginalized and alone and separate. They don't feel like they belong to any group because they don't feel like they feel like you're telling them that you don't have a group to belong to. It doesn't exist. Yeah, there's no place for you to feel included. Yeah. So what that leads to is then the extreme uh, amounts of mental health issues for bisexual the bisexual community. So um, so all this data here is is mostly is coming from the U.S. The, that's the main source of much of this data. But in comparison to heterosexuals, to lesbians, and to gay men, bisexuals have a higher rate of anxiety, depression, and other mood disorders. They have a higher reporting of self-harm, of suicidal thoughts, and suicide attempts. And they have a low, lower levels of social support. Again, going back to those, even the uh, accepting organizations, they, they don't have the funding there that people need mm -hmm. to find the help that they require. Bisexuals are less likely to feel comfortable with their sexuality or be out to friends and, and their family, comparatively to the lesbian and gay community. And they have a higher rate of substance abuse, smoking, and heavy drinking, which, I mean, I do drink pretty heavily. <laughs> but it's not my sexuality that causes me, causes me to do that. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it is, it is a problem. And it's something that, you know, if, you, if you're a constant listener, you know that I suffer suffer and have suffered from a lot of this, that self-harm and the suicidal thoughts was something that I struggled with for a very long time mm -hmm. and still have some struggling with that. It still pops into your head and you're, it's something that you can't control. And ultimately what you what you learn is like, it, that's okay. It's mm -hmm. okay to have those thoughts. It's acting on those thoughts. As soon as you feel like you're going to act on those thoughts, that's when you need to, to get help. And that's where it's good to have, have a greater community and whether there be community-based organizations or just communities and people and groups out, you know, within within your city and within your area that you can go to and call on for help when you need that. Because everybody needs help at some point. And, yeah. and as long as, you know, we can try to, to promote this and try to, to get community groups out there to provide services specifically for bisexuals, then that will help those people then to have somewhere to reach out to and help to minimize some of these effects. Yeah.
So, mm-hmm. that's all sort of the intro. <laughs> yes. The intro to all this. <laughs> you made it so far. Um, and I realize this isn't our to- our normal sort of light and airy subject matter. No. Um, I apologize for that. But this is still doesn't make it any less important. So we'll try to we'll try to you know add some jokes. <laughs> it's just gonna be hard. <laughs> I was gonna say, how are you gonna do that? Kind of a dour subject matter, but um, yeah. So you intro the the next uh, paper, okay. the first paper. I guess it's paper one. Yes. Uh, So this paper was all about life satisfaction, which I thought was really kind of fascinating to look at at the trends of of how people reported their life satisfaction based upon different factors. So there's a quote within this paper. And again, if you want sources, more than happy to send them to you. Um, But there's a quote in this paper that says the minority stress model theorizes that adverse health outcomes in sexual minorities are predicted by increased exposure to environmental and lifetime stressors, discrimination and victimization. These experiences accrue over time and have been tied to negative health outcomes, especially among older LGB adults. So the question is then is is life satisfaction and and when i say life satisfaction i mean like your your psychological health and well-being um but is that similar for the bisexual community as it is for others within the lgbt community and amongst the heterosexual community and then does that uh does does sexual orientation predict your changes in your life satisfaction throughout adulthood because we all do change and that's going to be the same no matter what group you're in. It's just a matter of how does that change happen? Is it positively? Is it negatively? Um, so yeah, this paper was kind of looking at at how people's life satisfaction was in different groups and how that changed over time. General life satisfaction, yeah. yeah. And so on on average, for for most people, uh, you, your your life satisfaction increases the older you get, and I think mm-hmm. many of us can can sort of relate to that. The older we get, the less we care about what people think and what people say and what people do, and we're just sort of like, you know what, fuck y'all, we're we're all right. You, you kind of figure out how to get through life. <laughs> yeah, and so your satisfaction then yeah. increases. Uh, again, on on average, women have a greater life satisfaction than men, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is again makes sense and it's fascinating i look at and i'm curious to see how this data changes in future generations Mm -hmm. because i think about my parents generation my mom traditionally had more friends than my dad Mm -hmm. so meant and you would typically you assume uh people with a greater life satisfaction have a greater number of friends do you think that that has anything to do with as far as um, like your dad not having as many friends, and I know it's just one person, one instance, but do you think that that has anything to do with the fact that men are traditionally told that you're not supposed to share your emotions, you're not supposed to show weakness? I think do you so. think it has yeah. anything to do with that? I think so, personally. I think it's it's one of those things that when you, you don't share those feelings, you don't share those emotions, it's hard to make connections that mm-hmm. are really matter and really last. Meaningful. You know, we can have yeah meaningful yeah. connections. You know, we can talk about the football um, but there's no real, there's passion there, but there's no depth there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can be very passionate about a sport, uh, but it's, it's the difference between watching the sport and playing the sport. It's completely different to watch something. On, I mean, I'm looking at it from a very surface thing, watch it on TV, mm-hmm. watch it live or actually play it. And I think that's sort of that a good analogy for this kind of emotional depth and, and, and what you get out of it. Right. Um, and the relationships that you then build from it. You don't expect to be friends with your coach uh, or with the quarterback if you're watching it on TV. So 
And also then uh, those who are more educated tended to have higher life satisfaction than those with a high school diploma or less. And I'm sure that goes into just because it's easier for you to get a job, you generally have a higher paying job, et cetera, et cetera. So that, that kind of makes sense. I also was listening to another podcast recently where they touched on that and said basically the, the more educated you are, the better you are at dealing with problems that things that are dealt to you. Not just money problems right. or, or job problems, but you, you realize you have a bigger picture. So, you have better problem-solving skills. Well, it's even bigger than that, I think. I okay. think that the, what they were saying was things like um, that sort of that fishbowl kind of thing. The bigger your ocean... The bigger your your worldview, mm-hmm. the the more capable you are of dealing with issues <laughs> and dealing with with problems as they come up to you. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, of course, married people are more often uh, have a higher life satisfaction than non-married people, but I think that depends on your married person. Uh, if you're staying in a relationship just because you feel like you're supposed to, I don't think your satisfaction will be as high. But right. <laughs> I would love to see that data kind of yeah. spread out a little more. Um, Interestingly, I thought was race and ethnicity was not a significant uh, uh, predictor of life satisfaction. And while lesbian and gay individuals did not differ from heterosexuals, bisexual bisexuals were significantly lower uh, on average for life satisfaction, which so, is really a fucking kind of bummer. Disheartening, isn't it? Because <laughs> <laughs> like, I got to tell you, my life satisfaction—you know—when I, I look at my personal life satisfaction. Uh, over the last even 20 years has gone significantly up. I think, you know, we've talked about this before. I'm a different person now completely Mm -hmm. really than I was 10 years ago. And it's, it has to do with, for me, that sort of coming to terms with my sexuality and being out and being proud and, and, and whatnot. And it's, it's something that has really affected my, you know, positivity, but I've been lucky in that I've had uh, a, a group around me. We were lucky enough to be able to create a group around us in which it's all people who accept us. And people who don't accept us quickly get shuffled along. Yeah. I think that's the key. Because in many areas, people who are identified as bisexual don't necessarily feel like they have the ability or the safety or support to come out to those around them. But if you're not able to be out and proud and live your true life you know, as your true self, then I can see where that would definitely negatively affect your your life satisfaction and, and a lot of other things. Um, but like you said, our, I think for both of us, I would rate our life satisfaction quite high, and it has increased. But that's because we are out to everyone. We don't hide who we are. You know, it, like you said, we were able to create a community around us and surround ourselves with positive people, with supportive people. And not everyone is that lucky. They no. don't have that, that option or the ability to do that. Very true. So when you look at the overall trajectory of life satisfactions, it's a linear increase for heterosexuals. Mm-hmm. Lesbian and gay individuals, again, very similar uh, to heterosexuals. They're, it's also mostly linear. But the trajectory for bisexuals was not linear, uh, it, which suggests that they, they we don't have the, the same... Uh, increase in life satisfaction as we get older, so which is really a bummer. It's I think everybody has has a right to as they as they age to start living a better than uh, living their best life. 
Yeah. For lack of a, a lack of a better term. No. So what does that all mean if you have lower life satisfaction? Look, I mean, <laughs> you know, it's funny. You know, looking at the looking at the data and reading the papers, I think for me it's easy it's easier to compare it to people we know. Mm-hmm. And we all know those people. We all know those people that are constantly grumpy or constantly alone or constantly miserable, but we it's hard to figure out why they're miserable or why they're grumpy or why they're alone. But typically, and if that person might be you, um, you know, and that, that sucks. It, it absolutely sucks. But often those people are also sicker. They're, you know, more apt. Um, so in, in this case, for when we're looking at life satisfaction, the um, lesbian, gay, and bisexual adults have higher rates of loneliness and depression due to alienation mm-hmm. from, from the air quotes, normal straights, uh, which then leads to things like cardiovascular diseases and, and weakened immune systems and poor uh, overall, just poorer health. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's plenty of uh, evidence that suggests that this is more so within the bisexual community, even than the lesbian and gay community, uh, when you compare it, when you compare them. Yeah. So basically then if we're going to sum it up a little bit, then you have greater life satisfaction. You have better health behaviors. So when you're, when you're happy and when you feel accepted, you want to be healthy. So then when you're healthy, you feel better and you're happier. It's just that whole big kind of so, you know, self-fulfilling prophecy kind of circle goes round and round. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I even uh, taking it back onto me yeah. when I was so depressed, uh, when I was dealing with my sexuality, it was one of those things that if I got sick, I'd be like, well, I'll get better. And if I don't, I don't. It wasn't now, if I get sick, I'm like, all right, off to the doctor. <laughs> We've got to <laughs> fix this problem. This is a problem. I need antibiotics or a splint. <laughs> but but Bradford, you have a headache. I need a splint. Splint my brain. You know, so it's it is. It's one of those things that yeah. you know, it, it's even little things like that where you you take for granted that because you're you're feeling good and you're feeling you're like, oh I'm sick, I need to go to the doctor. Uh, but if you you feel like you maybe you deserve it, I'm sick, well this is because I'm a bad person and nobody loves me. Right. And that's not the case. No. So uh generally Life satisfaction for adults in the U.S. is stable uh, throughout middle age and increases once once you pass middle age. So that I think that is the I'm almost going to retire syndrome. Yes. <laughs> that kind of sounds awesome. <laughs> the I'm going to go in and take a dump on my boss's desk work <laughs> syndrome. Um, there's a lot of hyphens in that syndrome. Uh, <laughs> So, you know, older adults have a greater satisfaction than younger, uh, and thus, you know, you have more well-being. When you have more well-being, you tend to be more supportive in relationships, provide more support to others. It's, I mean, it goes out. It's building a web. Yeah. It's building these communities. It's building a web. It makes you a healthier person. It makes you hope that other people are healthier and want to help them. So I think the moral of this story is just be fucking nice. Yeah. Be nice and accept people. Yes. <laughs> yes. You don't have to understand it. You don't have to do it yourself, but just accept people. Yes. It's, uh, it's, it's always makes me interested in, to know that so many people out there think that understanding and accepting have to go hand in hand. Yeah. And they don't. You don't have to understand me in order to accept me. Yeah. You can ask questions and, and try to learn to understand me, but you don't have to. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. You don't have to understand me. It's not a, uh, it's not a requirement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So also in this paper, they were looking at health disparities between older sexual minorities and heterosexual individuals. And uh, generally, the sexual minorities, as they aged, had higher rates of physical limitations, higher rates of immune dysfunction, mental distress, lower rates of self-acceptance. And all of this goes hand in hand with what we've you know, been seeing in the rest of the paper earlier. Um, but also I think that kind of what kind of goes along with that is that older LGB adults were more likely to live alone and be childless, which then can also contributes to the loneliness and the isolation as they age. And, and when you do have physical limitations and it's harder for you to get out, there's not that community support. There's no one to help you get out and, and go somewhere and socialize with others. And, and you do feel a lot more alone. And it's, it's a problem I would say in older adults across the board, but it, you know, if you don't have the family support and the social structure prior to that, then it's going to be even worse. Yeah. And, you know, the, the moving on, the, the bisexual women and men uh, reported higher rates of loneliness than lesbian and gay adults. Mm-hmm. Again, there are many senior groups that are targeting lesbian and gay adults. Mm-hmm. So that gives them that tribe, that space where they can feel like they can be themselves, but we still don't have that for the bisexual community. And, you know, there, there shouldn't have to be someone, someone should, can't say, oh, well, why don't they just go to one of the gay or lesbian senior groups? Yeah. Because that's not how it works. Often the, the in, within the communities themselves, there's, a, like we said before, there's marginalization. The, there's... The bisexuals haven't made a decision. They're still one foot in the closet, you know, even though they might be in their 70s. Yeah. They still haven't made a decision. There's still a lot of discrimination against bisexuals amongst those groups. And, and, you know, the more that we can try to, uh, you know, get the word out and talk to people and help them understand. And this isn't just for the heterosexual community. It's both lesbian and gay communities as well. And I think we could do a whole other podcast on that. Um but, yeah, like you said, it's it's not as easy for bisexual individuals to go and be as accepted. Yeah. So, you know, how do we how do we solve this? Mm-hmm. We've, we need this uh, we need this good, supportive community. We need to com- combat this loneliness and isolation, you know, specifically and especially as we as we age. You know, where do we get this support in later life? Mm hmm. Yeah, and it has to come from from social community networks. We have to build those early on and and help people to feel part of it from a young age and and pull people in even if they're not part of it as they age, but it's it, it's got to come from the community. It's got to yeah. come from the people. Yeah. Yeah. 
because you know ultimately you know you increase that support you increase life satisfaction and then you help people live happier longer lives and if they're happier and healthier it also reduces the societal cost yes okay so should we move on to physical health yes This one is exhaustive, and I'm not sure how much detail we need to go into, but we can just kind of start and see where it goes. Yeah, sure. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Uh, So in this paper, we're jumping to another paper now, then they were looking at the specific physical health issues in the bisexual community. Uh, So it does go through a lot of uh, very specific issues, and it was actually really quite thorough because it broke down not just specific issues, but it broke down uh, within different communities, so different ethnicities, um, male, female, those who, you know, different uh, sexual identities. It, it was really quite exhaustive. Um, but, you know, to start with, they were looking at women and they found that sexual minority women compared to heterosexual women, so those in the LGBT community, compared to heterosexuals, had an increased risk of uh, physical diseases like arthritis, diabetes, GI issues, which were two times more likely, just huge, uh, cardiovascular disease, heart attack, high cholesterol, hypertension, hepatic disease, obesity, stroke. You get the point. This podcast is <laughs> fucking depressing. Um and But what was also interesting was that women with both same and opposite sex partners, so bisexual women, had much higher risks of physical issues than even those uh, within the, the lesbian community. And, uh, yeah, it, it's really just kind of fascinating when you look at it in that respect and just all the different physical issues that were more prominent. Yeah, and so, of course, the men had similar issues. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to list them all because it's just fucking depressing. Um, (laughs) But specifically, the the bisexual men um, were at a higher risk for GI issues and obesity, Mm -hmm. which just tells me that just sucks. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it does. We we all get stressed, and what stress makes my stomach hurt sometimes. I understand. Yeah, and yeah, stress and depression, it's not... Yeah. So men with both same and opposite sex partners had a much higher risk of most of the issues, which, yeah, lucky them. Um, <laughs> why can't we have a higher risk for, you know, lots of money and winning the lottery? <laughs> oh, no, no. Yeah. Um, so individuals then who are unsure about their sexual identity had increased risk factors for cardiovascular. I mean, because look, if you're confused, you're not alo- you're not excluded here. You're you're a part of this group. So you too have increased risk for cardiovascular disease, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, and having more physical health conditions compared to heterosexually identified individuals. Lucky you. Fucking straights. <laughs> I just want to make a point, too, that, you know, people are like, oh, you know, the, the, the gays, the lesbians, the trans, the bi people are, are going to hell. Nobody ever says you're going gay to hell. You're not going lesbian to hell. You're not going bi to hell. You're not going trans to hell. What do they say? You are going straight to hell. <laughs> I, am, I love my straight people. I'm just letting you know. I love you. but We're all going to hell together. We're all going to hell together. <laughs> Yeah, and what was also interesting, like I said, that this before that this paper kind of broke down amongst non-Hispanic whites, non-Hispanic blacks, Hispanic and Latinos, and it looked at the physical disparities between them, and and it's just it's really kind of 
fascinating how all of this kind of uh, ties together. But amongst all of the the groups, people who identify as bisexual still had heightened risk for certain physical conditions. And it was usually blood pressure, GI, things like that. So again, stressors, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and yeah. The obesity makes sense. There's that stress eating and that comfort eating. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and it's, it's kind of a, the overall trend for many of them, which not necessarily all of it, but the overall trend was that lesbian and gays uh, communities had higher risk of some diseases compared to heterosexual and then the bisexuals were even higher than that. But it's, again, it just shows that marginalization and the effect that it can have, not just mentally, but also physically. Yeah. I, I will say looking at this over this whole paper, the one thing that really stuck out to me as a positive in this whole mire, quagmire <laughs> of depressing shit was the majority of individuals who reported never having sex were identified as heterosexual as heterosexual and had exclusively opposite sex attractions, which means they are the virgins. The, the straight, the heterosexuals, if you're bisexual, if you're gay, if you're lesbian, you are more likely to at least have had sex. Awesome. I hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> In this study. <laughs> now, don't be depressed. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, interestingly as well, uh, the they were looking at people who had said that they were unsure about their sexuality and they were at increased risk for like high blood pressure and in some other physical conditions um, amongst men, but not women. So that I thought that was really kind of fascinating. Interesting. That is interesting. Yeah. And then those who never had sex, um, certain groups had, again, higher, higher propensities for, like, women and white groups had, were at an increased risk for obesity. White and black individuals were increased risk for high blood pressure. Um, but it really is interesting how it's not, you know, how not knowing, being unsure about your sexuality or never having had sex. And, I, again, I don't know the age range. I'd have to go back and look at the age range of the individuals in this study. But just seeing how that uncertainty and the lack of acceptance, even to yourself, how that affects your physical health. So, yeah, yeah this bummer. paper was kind of depressing. <laughs> but it's also really important information, and it really does show, it really just highlights these effects. Yeah. Yeah. It is depressing. Yeah. Sorry, guys. When sometimes when I'm home alone, mm-hmm. I just sing to myself, all by myself. Oh. I see what you did there. See? It yeah. makes me feel better. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, I'm trying to liven up this podcast. It's, kind of, it's depressing. I don't want our people to back at home and in the car. It's just like sobbing and crying. No, don't Unless do that. Unless they're laughing, too. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, should we jump on to the next, like, subject matter of... of yeah. yeah. Let's do it. Oof. Move my so, notes around here. Okay. Uh we 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 touched a bit on on biphobia and and again you know despite making up uh, more than half of the LGB community um, bisexuals are often described uh, unique well we've described unique experiences of stigma and exclusion yay uh, common stereotypes included with biphobia are bisexuals are promiscuous and carriers of sexually transmitted diseases 
you know, I sort of wish we had a sound on the podcast where we go, incorrect. <laughs> I'm sure there's an app on the phone. Do you there, want me to find something? I've looked before. I've, I've, <laughs> I remember one time, well, uh, with C&D, I was looking for crickets. Because <laughs> <laughs> she said every time she made a joke, it was just crickets. And, uh-huh. Yeah, anyway. Uh, bisexuals are untrustworthy or traitors to the LGBT community. I think that's interesting, too, because they include the word B in LGBT community. And, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, I guess as a traitor, you are part of the community. But also, I feel myself over here getting angry. And it's just like, Burr. So a couple of good examples of that one are, I know that I've heard um, mentioned from several people within the lesbian community uh, that they won't date a bisexual woman because you always just go back to a dick anyway in the end. Yeah. And and so that and that's definitely something that I've heard. I know friends of mine have heard it as well. Um, but also part of this is is when they say that bisexuals can take advantage of heterosexual privilege because it's not always obvious that you're bisexual, and a lot of people can mistake mistake you for being heterosexual, and and there's privilege associated with that. But what was interesting was recently when we were talking to someone and he was he was in the gay community in a small town and he made the comment that, and I might get it a little bit wrong, so correct me, mm-hmm. but he made the comment that he always thought, you know, that you had it easy because you can just go down to the yeah. pub and blend in and, and watch the footy with yeah. the other guys and this kind of thing, but didn't realize how difficult it actually was for a bisexual male. Yeah. And it, but it is that misconception that, oh, well, you can just kind of blend in, but you can't. Not the same. Yeah. It, blending in is not being... It's not acceptance. It's not acceptance. It's not yeah. being one of the group. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's a really difficult distinction that a lot of people have making. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, bisexual women are only... Uh, they're only aiming to, to seek sexual attention from heterosexual men. And look, we've all seen it at clubs at pubs and at uh on Mm. dance floors the women making out you know but to assume that they're only doing it for attention for attention or to gain a heterosexual partner i mean don't i've never quite understood that because don't don't you think that if they just walked up and made out with the guy they would get more attention than if they were (laughs) making out with another woman i mean if they really if the if the D was all they wanted, why wouldn't they just go after the D? I don't know. It just doesn't make... There's a logical jump there that I can't make. Um, and then lastly, that uh, bisexual men are too afraid to fully come out and therefore really just gay. Oh, I just I hate people so much. <laughs> so angry. Throw the paper away. Yeah, anyway. So I'm, I'm over here mumbling to myself because it just uh-huh. pisses me off. Ugh. Yeah. Makes me angry. It's like, yeah, I'm. I must be gay. I just really, really like eating pussy, and and you're really, really good at it for oh, a gay guy. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. I mean, most gay men are terrified of the vagina. Yeah. Like you say the word, and they're like, ah, and they run away. Not because they're like screaming like a girl, but just like they're screaming. That's how they scream. Ah, God. You're like, that's disgusting. I mean, I've heard them also go, oh fuck, no. You know. So it's you know. Anyway, but. Well, we do know that many horror creatures are designed after vaginas. That's right. If you look at the perfect example, if you've ever seen the movie Starship Troopers, look at the big brain creature. It is clearly a vagina. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure the designer <laughs> of that creature was gay. 
I need I need to stop. We'll have to look that up. I and need see. to look yeah. that up and, and figure it out. That's gonna be a that's gonna be a long podcast. <laughs> also, Starship Troopers. Woo. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So we're ready to move on to the next yeah. uh, series of papers here. Yeah. Let's do it. So um this paper, the the I guess the the key note of this mm-hmm. paper was that bisexual men are less likely than gay men to disclose their sexual orientation. That was sort of the the overview of the paper. But then they tried to tried to dissect that and say, okay, why is this? And ultimately it's either whether it's real or whether it's perceived. Um, did I say perceived? It's perceived. Perceived. Interesting. Meh. Country's coming out. See, I get a little bit of alcohol in me, a little bit of anger in me. And, <laughs> and the I country comes say, out. The country comes out, and I'm saying perceived instead of perceived. And, okay. Whether it's real or not, <laughs> uh, is that the negative uh, emotional reactions from others? And I can I, I can understand that. When I came out to my mom, I thought for sure she was going to be mad at me and was not going to uh, was not going to react the way that she did. Yeah. Because it's always one of those things that what you can imagine in your head is likely worse than reality. Yes. It may not be, but it it's likely is. Most of the time it is. Because we always we always think of the most negative outcome and an- anticipate that and prepare ourselves for that. Yeah. And we've said before, your imagination is two things. It's the cruelest thing that you've got, and it's a fucking liar. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, we, I think I'm probably quoted it on, on the podcast before, but Stephen King, who said the fright- most frightening thing he can write is someone knocked at the door because no matter who the reader is, they'll come up with the worst thing that could possibly be behind the door for them. And as soon as they, as soon as he writes that the door opens that, you know, nothing he could describe is going to be worse than what you imagined was behind that door. And I think that sort of falls into this as well. So something else that, that was uh, noted was that negative changes in relationships, again, whether they're uh, real or all in, all in your furry little head. Mm-hmm. And again, I, I look at my furry little head when I had split up from my f- first wife and there was a, a big company meeting that was coming up. And I, it had been a few months and my boss was talking about coming to, the, to this Christmas party. And I said, well, I've actually got someone who may come with me. He was like, oh, great. I can't wait to meet her. And I, you know, there's that fear of, oh, because it was a guy. And I was like, oh, geez. You know, I was like, well, Actually, it's a guy. He goes, oh, great. I can't wait to meet him. Yeah. And it was just like there was no – and again, there was that fear in my head of what was going to be, and it was anti to what it was. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, and then another reason why bi men were less likely than gay men was because of the belief that others have stigmatizing attitudes towards homosexuality completely understandable belief <laughs> because you do see that now it is better. And I think it, you know, we're, we're getting there, but, and it can also depend on where you live, the community around you, yeah, definitely. that type of thing. But, um, but yeah, if you believe that people are going to stigmatize you, then, you know, if they feel this way about homosexuals, well, they're going to feel that way about bisexuals too. That's kind of that, that path yeah. that, that you think about. Uh, and it could also be that, yeah, maybe you've had a prior experience with negative reactions whenever you've you've come out to other people or you've disclosed something very personal to someone else and they've had a negative reaction. Well, that's going to make you less likely to want to disclose 
yeah. your sexuality or something else important to them. Once bitten, twice shy kind of yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Um, wanting to maintain your uh, the perception that people have of you or others' perceptions of yourself. You know, that's maintaining the status quo. You know, mm-hmm. you don't want to, you don't want to throw a, 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 wow, I almost went Australian. You don't want to throw a spanner in the works, a wrench in the works. <laughs> We've been down here long enough that I'm, I've changed span, wrench to spanner. There's, there's one. Uh, you know, you don't want to throw a wrench in the in the machine and yeah. and make a change that you're not that you don't think you're ready to deal with or or, or can deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the fear that those told would tell other people, right? Because as we all know, good news travels fast, bad news travels faster, yeah. and you know if they think it's bad news, they're going to tell everybody that they possibly know. Right, and it's your story. You should be able to to tell it. Yeah. when and where you want to, but. You know how people are. Yeah. Yeah. And then lastly, it's just the fear of rejection. Again, uh, it be it religious, be it cultural, be it your your little culture that you live in a small town, be it the, the apartment building that you're in. Or the country you live in. Or what country you live yeah. in. Uh, you know, it's, it is just, gosh, what, within the last 14 days, mm-hmm. it's become legal to be gay in India. Yeah. And that's... That's just remarkable. Like it's to say something like that is illegal is just. It's almost unfathomable to us. Yeah, I really can't. Yeah. Because what is it? Something to the effect of four to seven percent of the population is non uh, heterosexual. Mm-hmm. So that means four to seven percent of the population was illegal. Yeah. That's just like, that's crazy. It's mind boggling. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. <sighs> drink so there was another paper that uh, was really kind of interesting and it and it kind of took me down a whole nother path and made me think about things differently because you know here we are talking about bisexual individuals being a minority within a minority and and you know the experiences and the effects that all of this has on bisexuals but this paper highlighted the fact that there's not been a lot of work done to study the experiences of those who are in multiple minorities. So um, you look at like a black bisexual. What is their experience compared to a white bisexual? Um, And and so it was really kind of just highlighting the fact that we need to address these and minimize the impact because everyone does deserve to be true to themselves. But, you know, for someone who is part of multiple minorities, it can become infinitely more difficult to, to live your true life and to be true to yourself. And I just... I can't imagine that. No. Yeah. And, you know, we've we've made some friends recently that are both trans and bisexual. Yeah. And, you know, just to clear that up for anybody who is unclear, uh, uh, transgender has to do with your gender. So if you look at you identify as being male or female and your sexuality is nothing to do with that. Mm-mm. It's it's as as different as the sound of your voice and your eye color. They are completely non-related. So, you know, we've got people who are in the trans community who have gone through um, some of the, some of the surgeries uh, to more closely identify to the gender in which they feel and they're bisexual. Mm -hmm. And that's just, it's like, I can't imagine how, how they deal with all of the pressures from from both sides of that, yeah, both within their community and outside of, it's 
Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. It it it's, it really is a an interesting area that that can definitely use a lot more examining and looking at, and again, a lot more support for individuals. Yeah. Is needed. Yeah. Cool. So. I think we're going to wrap up. That's a lot of deep stuff. Um, and, you know, I, we've got a lot more. We've got more papers that we're going to dig through. We and, and spoiler alert, one of them goes into sexual behaviors, like specific sexual behaviors, and, and the effect of your sexuality on your specific behaviors. So I'm Really excited to share that one because it's kind of fun. <laughs> you're, uh, you're, good, something uplifting. Um, yeah, we we definitely appreciate. Um, I think folks sticking with us through this one because yeah. I know again it was kind of it's a little more serious. Yeah, yeah, and it's I think it's unlike some of the stuff that we normally do in that we try to make it uplifting and light and fun and happy and yeah, this yeah. There's <laughs> not any of that. No, um, but it's good information, and I think it's important for all of us to to kind of realize it and face it, and and let's do something about it, even if it's little by little, one person at a time. It all yes. makes a difference. That's right. That's right. So if you are listening to this and you are straight or gay or lesbian, number one, thank you for listening to us. Number two, be nice to everybody. And if you're bisexual, be nice to everybody as well. Uh-huh. So I think it's stuff that we can all learn and that we – Again, to, just to reiterate once again, you do not have to understand someone in yeah. order to accept them. And if you do see someone that needs help or that, that may be hurting or alone, reach out. Mm. It doesn't take much. Just a kind word, a gesture. Are you okay? Yeah. And that's something that we've seen a lot of recently. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's just for those situations where we're trying to prevent suicide or trying no. to prevent self-harm. I think that is something we could all do in general. Just say, hey, are you are you doing okay? Just mm-hmm. reach out to somebody and, and try to give them a hand to hold on to. Mm-hmm. For sure. So we've gone through a lot of stuff. We've gone yes. through a lot of data. I'm sure there are people out there that are shaking their fists at their listening device and saying, I don't agree. So if you don't agree, feel free to email us. We will, we'd love to uh, see what you think or if you don't like some of the data or if you want to know where the data came from. Uh, happy to pass it along. Happy yeah. to pass it along. Again, thank you to the to the wonderful listener who who sent it sent us all this information. It was it's fantastic. We've got at least one more podcast, maybe two more podcasts of of mm-hmm. stuff that we need to sort through, sift through, and uh, we will we will start working on that in the not too far distant future. Yes. Uh, in the meantime, feel free to reach out to us. We are the atoms of love at gmail.com. Or you can find us on the, uh, the, the the Twitters, on the Instagrams, <laughs> or on the Facebooks. You can find us there. We are By the By Podcast in all of those locations. That's mm-hmm. B-Y-T-H-E-B-I Podcast. Yeah. If you're a new listener, I promise that most of our stuff is much more uplifting and happy. Um, so lastly, if you want to help us out and... I mean, look, we've already encouraged you to, to reach your hand out and, and help somebody and help others. Well, if you want to help us, reach into your pocket and get your credit card out and then go to patreon.com. So our Patreon page, we, uh, we, we're we going to have some videos on there of like of us talking about things such as pegging and consent. Mm-hmm. Whatever Patreon will let us put up there, it won't be porn. Um but yeah, we will we will put some of that stuff up on Patreon. If you want to get your grubby little hands on, say, some cum rags, we've got those on Patreon as well. 
and, and they're awesome. They're pretty yeah. awesome. So yeah, I love them. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't take a lot to make me happy. <laughs> Give me a cum rag. <laughs> <laughs> if, if, if you want a slightly used cum rag. <laughs> That's extra. Um, Yeah, so thank you very much for listening, and uh, I guess we'll talk to you next time. Yeah, thank you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm, Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.